how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Tone Bell started stand-up when he moved to Dallas to pursue a corporate marketing job. Looking for a creative outlet, he discovered the diverse audience in the area, with influences like George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, and Chris Rock in mind, he started to find his voice as a stand-up. In this exclusive interview, Bell discusses a traditional special compared to modern hooks, writing personal stories with a message, how stand-up is sort of like solving a Rubik's Cube, advice from Wanda Sykes before his first special, his pre-stage music and playlist, and he also talks about an animated special he's currently working on. The new special, Can't Cancel This, comes out today, February 22nd. Uh, you know what kind of, I mean, I was kind of acting early on, like I did theater in college and stuff, and then um, uh, I kind of got out of it. Like I ended up just getting a job in like 2005, and then I got into kind of corporate America, and then, man, they moved me to Dallas, and it was like I wanted to still perform, but I had like this responsibility of a corporate gig, and you know, it's like solid, sustainable money every couple weeks or whatever, so uh, I thought stand-up, like I always loved it. And I was like, I wanted to be able to perform, but I didn't, I didn't want to do something where I could let people down, like a play or, or try to, like, you know, audition for movies or whatever. Cause like, then I got to quit my job. So it was kind of like a balance of like, all right, at least if nothing else, I can perform and see if, you know, I got the chops to do this. And I have like a creative outlet to like, you know, I don't know anybody in Dallas and if nothing else, I'll make some friends doing this, even if I'm bad at it. And, uh, and it just worked out, man. It was like, you know, so it really took and like the next couple of years it just really, took over my job because I just stopped working. <laughs> so, like, they they were not getting any productivity out of me. Who were your influences? Like, what type of comedy? Who were your, the comedians you looked up to? Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a big Carlin fan. Um, I'm a big, uh, you know, I mean, previously Cosby fan. Just, I mean, just the storytelling aspect of, like, Carlin and Cosby and Pryor, um, Enthusiasm of Eddie. Um, you know, just like grew up watching those dudes. I mean, now, you know, Patrice O'Neill is a huge influence on like, on like, it's okay to make shit uncomfortable sometimes. Um, I mean, Chappelle Rock. I mean, it's, but then I got, like, I'm, I'm, I'm fans of like friends that I have now, Kyle Kinane, Nate Bogazzi, Lil Rel. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm just a fan of the sport. So most people are not familiar with like Dallas stand up. What's it, what's the audience like? How did it shape your material? Like the so when I started, I started in uh, like January '08, and it was really kind of it was like two split scenes. It was like kind of like a mainstream, down the middle, kind of like more 
white, you know, blue to white collar audiences. And then there was more like, there wasn't really like an alternative scene like there is now there, but then there was like just, you know, a more of a black comic, Latino comic scene. And since I've left, it kind of merged. Like it's, it's, uh, I left in summer 2011. So now it's kind of like one scene, but it was kind of split before of like, you know, which, which comic do you want to be? Do you want to perform in majority white rooms or black rooms? And so it kind of teaches you both worlds to have to go, Oh, I got to be quick in this room where I can take more time in this room. So like it's, we have a very diverse scene in, uh, in Dallas. Plus it was, it was real nice because a lot of, you know, some, depending on what city you're in, but a lot of scenes don't have, you know, you might have four mics, four shows a, a week if you're not working at the club on the weekend. So, but Dallas had like two a night. We had at one point like seven comedy clubs, then auxiliary. So like you could really go on stage like two or three times a night, every night if you wanted to. So as an actor, you've worked with a lot of other comedians in television. Did any of those people um, kind of help you or give you good advice in the beginning for your stand-up? I mean, my, my buddy who I, is ironically, uh, I've known this dude, his name is Sean Larkin, and um, he's out of Detroit, met him in Atlanta. I was like doing like some sketch comedy stuff in high school, like I was senior about to go to college, and then we did the short film together, and I stayed in contact with him, I mean, for I mean, 20 years now, but he was probably a little younger than I am now. And when I went to college, I would call him and go, Hey man, we got this homecoming show. Can I book you guys for the show? So I was kind of already surrounding myself with comics. And then when I first got on stage, it didn't go well, but I called him. I'm like, man, I think I'm gonna try this comedy thing. And first time I bombed, I called him. He goes, man, it doesn't matter if you bombed or killed, you're still a comedian. Like comedian, you know, it doesn't matter if you're successful or not. Everybody bombs sometimes. So take that with you. And, 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 uh, it's going to happen. So 20 years later, literally, I um, got to know this dude in high school. He writes on the neighborhood, such an entertainer show that shoots across the parking lot from my show. So, like, I mean, he's a really big influence of somebody I've just known forever. She worked with uh, Whitney Cummings on her show around 2012. I feel like, you know, pre-Whitney's show, you know, back in the day, the whole the goal of a comic was to get a sitcom how has the landscape kind of changed? Like, do people still pursue that goal or do you, would you prefer to be just, you know, wearing many hats, actor, comic? Like, do you have a, a bigger goal in mind in addition to the special you just came out with? I mean, I'd love to show. I mean, like that's, that's kind of where my special is. My special is me and my perspective. And, and so, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's what my special does. Um, and it's, I mean, Whitney's the first show I was ever on. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if you have a comic, when you can take a comic and go, there's a clear, like, Lil Rail had his show. It's like, this is, I mean, you taking hardcore funny jokes from his set and then setting the scene for it. So, like, it was a lot of that in the 80s and 90s, of course. And I, we kind of got away from it, but I think there's a new way to tell that story now where it used to just be kind of a sitcom thing. And so it was like, and if you couldn't do it in front of a live audience, but now you can kind of do the, you know, you can kind of do the, I'm sorry, you can do the multi-cam thing years ago. Now you can kind of do the single-cam thing. You can, uh, you know, with, with the streaming platforms and everything. So you, it can kind of get weird. I mean, even specials are changing. Drew Michaels had a special with no audience. I mean, you can try whatever you want to now. So, like, it's, it's – I mean, some of it works, some of it doesn't, or it's before it's time. So, um, I, yeah, I think we're kind of getting back to that, you know, especially if you're a comic. If you tell, if you tell jokes that aren't personal to you, I think it's a little harder. But if you're – if you do – you know, internal research on yourself and push it out and, it, and people can enjoy it. It's relatable. I think you, I think you can have a, Carmichael was a great example of it. You know, his material is a direct reflection of, um, uh, of, 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 of his process and everything, you know, it's, it's uh, it was funny. I mean, you know, people, people 
get it done. But I think there's so many avenues. People, if you for you to become like, I mean, Russell, not, uh, not Russell Peters, I'm, uh, Jim Jeffries, same thing. Like he had a show a few years ago that was great, but it's probably before its time. So you mentioned like, um, I mean, obviously, I feel like your first special is because it's your first one. You don't really need quite the same hook. Like uh, you mentioned one, some other examples like Ray Romano just came out with a special this week where he does two things at the Comedy Cellar. Chappelle dropped two on the same day. Brian Regan's doing like sketches within his. Do you feel like if you get the chance for another special, you've got to have some type of hook like that? or? I think after you get the, I mean, my idea was I want to do a traditional special. I want to do it in a theater. I want to do it with, you know, I mean, I, I want, I want the feel of like what I grew up watching. I want it to feel like a fanfare, you know, like this is an event. Um, and then I think, not that I wouldn't do that again, because it, it was an amazing feeling and it went and went great. And it was funny. Um, I, I mean, but I'm already in June, I'm talking about shooting like a half hour, like animated thing because I'm just want to tell these like longer stories, but don't want to make it too mundane. So like, I think it'd be funny to like animate it, you know? So, but I'm only doing like a half hour with that. It's not going to be like an hour worth of cartoon. So it's, so it's, yeah, I mean, I think you can kind of play with it. And now things are so, it's a little cheaper. So you can kind of try something. Also, I don't, I think people let you try stuff. I mean, people are very hard on you too, if it doesn't work, but, I think I think it's like don't do the same thing that you would normally do. I mean, it's crazy for Chappelle to go do a ten thousand seater and then to go to the belly room and do a sixty seater. You know what I mean? So, so it's like it's kind of that Drew Michael doing his you know no audience or um, Tony Hinchcliffe going like I'm going to go from the parking lot on a on a steady cam. I'm going to do the one shot bird Birdman. Yeah, the Birdman style. So it's like you know you can try. Do my special just starts. Like there's no intro. There's just like title comes on. But one thing that I I really wanted with mine was like every everybody, everything that happened in the special, somebody I know worked on the original music at the end, the photography, the key art, the intro, the warm up, the director. Everybody was somebody I knew or grew up with. So like everybody had a part. So like it was it was like a family affair. So like I just wanted you know the people who helped me do this. That's who hopefully gets the credit. Uh, so you particularly, before you come on stage, I think you mentioned in the special that you listen to music before a show. Like, what type of music is it, or what is your routine like before you step on stage? Man, it depends on like what the crowd is. Like, if it's if like if the energy is crazy and I feel good and they're just like explosive, uh, probably run the jewels. Like, I, it's just like a great, you know, it's just like aggressive. It makes you just want to come out and slap somebody with a microphone. Like, it just it just it just makes you. It made like, come on, like, let's push somebody for these jokes. It's great. Like, I love Run the Jewels so hard. And, and uh, that's just, like, when it kind of gets me gets me kind of amped up if the energy is right. If it's kind of low and I feel like it's going to be a crowd that listens, but they they don't want the energy because, like, they don't have it, then probably, like, Kid Cudi, um, uh, Jungle, um, some tracks, something like that. I mean, something a little more melodic, Erica Badu. Uh, sorry, I listened to one interview you did. Um, you, I can tell you're very conscious of the audience, what audience is there. I think you were talking about Whitney's show and, and NBC's audience. If you're if you're writing stand-up even with the possibility of a sitcom or something later, are you kind of already thinking that it's like your you know portfolio of material should kind of fit that mass appeal? Or or how do you or do you view it as like you know, the way Carlin would where I write this special and I kind of throw it away and start all over? Like how do you kind of see it? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's biopic how I, you know, whatever's happening now is what I, 
or if there's a memory that I can t- attach back to right now, which can create a parallel, then that's how I do it. But I don't write with the intention of this will be good to display for a show. So like, because most of my stuff is stories anyway, wherever they fit, like if I can make it make sense, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's like a, it's a Rubik's cube. Like it all works, but you like, you know, so you have to start with, with the bones of it. Like everybody knows the side you're trying to, um, get the colors right on is the middle piece. So like if I can get that one or two bits, like, all right, this is my perspective on this. Then I'm a build out around that. So I'll start shifting and, you know, moving, moving and, 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 you know, just trying to like, okay, here we go. We got this side done now. How do we close this? How do we open it? How do we, and it usually kind of just fits right in there, but I'm never writing to go. I need to get here. Like sometimes I just write an idea of a premise and then work backwards. And then I go, Oh, this story happened. I think this theme fits the story. So then now I have a point to it. It's not just something funny. Hopefully I get a chance to like say something. I hope I get a chance to like speak to people, not like preachy, but have a point to it versus just something that I think is, I think kind of funny. So to, to kind of generalize, like you, you open up with like four minutes talking about Alaska. Like, how do you know when that's kind of unraveled enough or do you just, you just kind of keep going until it's not funny anymore? Like, do you just. Man, that joke is like, that joke is like 10 minutes. <laughs> I did, I did this. The the amount that we cut out of that joke, like no bullshit. The special was an hour and a half. Like I did ninety on both shows, and I had to cut out about twenty six minutes because it was just. I mean, I'm remembering stuff on stage, stuff that I didn't do preparing for. It just like all the bits. A lot of the bits were way longer. Some I had to take full full jokes out. So I just kept the pieces I thought kind of matched. But also, every comment gets to that. You know, I was doing that joke five years ago, but it was like I really wanted to talk about. I really wanted to get to this whole Burlington thing. So it's like, what could lead me into this? Do I have anything in my, in my notebook that like, can I tie this together? So even if I didn't use it, it would still seem familiar going into the stuff about Vermont. And, and cause that's right after that Alaska bit. But I, I went to Alaska six, seven years ago. And that joke has been my experience there and not knowing geography. Cause I'm, I'm telling you, if you, if you take, we did this right after we went, uh, you, if you take a blank, map with just like the states outlined and you ask a stranger somebody who looks like they went to high school to name all 50 states they'll get about 50 percent because people get real cloudy if you don't live in the northeast they get real cloudy up there and you do i'm like you don't even know where you from you don't know the rest of the world you don't know your world people man we are so okay being stupid sometimes (laughs) we're just like we don't we don't care and it's like man i can look that up later i don't need to know it right Right, that's especially true today, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, that's, I mean, I find myself going, like, I don't even know that person's name. I've been talking to him for an hour. And then a part of me, and I want to care about it, but I can't. Like, I'm like, care about that name. No, you'll look them up later on Instagram. You don't need to know their name. That, that's crazy that I have the argument with myself on not giving a fuck about somebody's name <laughs> or, or how far it is, how far a city is from where, you know, we just don't care anymore. Yeah. Was there any, like, I mean, is there any hesitation that, you know, when you're doing the special and you're, let's say you're shooting for, you're doing 90 minutes to get a good 60 minutes out of it. Are you worried at all on stage that if you're kind of fumbling, ad-libbing, that might be funny, it doesn't work? Or you just have enough confidence that the, what's following, it'll be better and better. Like, how do you kind of think of it? Um, it's, Wanda Sykes told me, she was like, when you shoot two, shoot two of them. Cause I didn't know people. Cause I know back in the day, you kind of just did one. One is it. Cause you're shooting on film too. But now, you know, you have the opportunity to go, I'm going to shoot two shows 
And before before I shot, I was talking to Wanda Sykes, like, you know, maybe two weeks before that, two, three weeks before that. She goes, whatever you do, do the material that you know works as written on the first show, get it out your system. And then on the second one, go have fucking fun. Do whatever you want to do. If you want to add stuff in, sprinkle stuff in, you want to do crowd work, whatever you want, because you already got the foundation. So if nothing else, we can always cut back to that first one if something in and the second one doesn't work. Uh, but the only, you know, the only thing is like, you know, you just hope people don't have too much to drink. You just hope nobody thinks this is a comedy club, but you hope they respect your dream at this moment. Like, look, man, don't yell out. Don't say some dumb shit. Do me a favor. Even if you just like the joke, act like you love it. So I can have a fucking career, please. You know? So it's, 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 uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's also, it's like, it's weird. Like it's like shooting a TV show. You can write the jokes all week, but then until the audience gets there, you don't know. Cause you get to a different city. I shot in Dallas, but a joke works in Dallas that don't work in Chicago like that. Or it works better in one place than it does somewhere else. So it's like, sometimes you end up figuring out like, Oh, that's not even the funny part. Or tonight I delivered that a little different so that they laugh somewhere else. And it's kind of, I mean, there's so many jokes that don't get the laughs I think they deserve in the special, but they're also kind of just for me. Like, I, I think they're for comics to go, oh, I, I, that's funny. Like, that's a, that's a compliment from a comic that you want, just the, oh, dude, that's funny. Very, very calm. Not like, dude, that was hilarious. No, he's like, man, that is funny. Because, you know, that's jealousy. And it's beautiful. Like, whenever I tell a comic that's funny, I'm like, I, that should be mine. That joke should be mine. And it's complimentary and envious at the same time. But, but yeah, man, it's it can, it can, uh. I think, I think you just got to, and it's also enjoyable. Like if something doesn't work, especially during a special, something like, you know, you spending money on it and time. If something doesn't work and you're like, oh man, am I, did I dig myself a hole right now? And then knowing that you played that game with yourself, they don't know you're playing that game with, with the audience. But then like, you start going like, oh, y'all have no idea what's about to come up. I'm about to write, you didn't like that. You about to love, oh, I'm about to hit you over the head with this shit. And then it works. And people go like, oh, I don't know what he's going to get out of this. And you get out of it. And people forget all about the one that didn't hit like that. So notice if you look at your show as a whole, you, you definitely like sprinkle through positive comments. Um, just like, like I'm, I'm 30 and everybody I know is in debt. Like you just kind of make it clear that you kind of got your priorities in order, even though it's in, in joke fashion. You talk about a new mentality. How important is this? Like, what, what's your kind of overall message to people um, besides just making them laugh? What kind of message, particularly with this special, did you want to did you want to kind of send out there? I mean, this whole kind of it took me about it was about four months before I kind of completed. Like, what's my through line? Do I have a theme? Am I just going to go start to finish? So the first the first twenty five minutes of the special is kind of of me going here's some light ideas of you know I get into the student loan and I get into the um, you know, like the money piece of it and travel and all this kind of stuff. And it just kind of lays the groundwork for me to go, okay, here's my sense of humor. If you've never heard of me before, never seen me before, here's like, I tell stories for some shorter ones. And now we're about to get into kind of, you know, like social commentary on that's why halfway through, it's kind of like the, the thing I came up with was like, yeah, sometimes I get treated great because my celebrity is kind of starting to, to rise a little bit, but also don't get it twisted. If I'm in Kansas or I'm in Tampa, I'm still just, a 30-year-old black dude who nobody gives a fuck about. I still get treated like shit sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I have, I still have, have to, like, watch myself. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, if, I, if I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, 
Nobody's seen my show. Nobody knows I'm a sitcom actor. I could get arrested. And I'm like, I'm afraid to go to prison for nothing. And it happens all the time. And I feel like I shouldn't have to feel that way. And so he's, he's either just like stories that built on like, do I make, do I stand up and fight like this? Or do I talk about it later? Do I, like, how, like, how do I express my perspective of the world to people? And to me, it's like, it's, look, man, it's still, I'm still nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous when I drive. I'm nervous when I, you know what I mean? When I fly, like, I get treated different. I mean, you take a white dude in a blazer versus me in a sweatsuit. The attention is going somewhere else and it shouldn't be that way, but it is not everywhere. But sometimes that's my perspective and nobody knows how it feels. So it's like, I can put that in you to go, all right, the next time I'm at the airport, I'm not going to interrupt somebody that doesn't look like me because I don't respect them all from an aesthetic. Let me just be a person, you know? So like, I mean, hopefully that's, that's what you take from it. But also sometimes you don't even know you're learning that message. That's hopefully the best part is you'll laugh through it. And then when you get stuck in that moment, you'll go, oh, I'm, I'm, this is deja vu. I don't know if it was, you know what I mean? So hopefully, hopefully it just resonates with people when you take, you pull something out of it. And if you don't, at least it's funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think, I think we're at time. Thanks for the interview. It's so great. Is there anything you want to add that we didn't discuss or any other projects you're working on? Uh, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, of course, special coming out February 22nd, but uh, I have a movie called little, uh, in theaters, April 12th. And, uh, and then, you know, every Thursday night, uh, every Thursday night, fam will CBS nine 30 after mom. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.